Welcome to the Connect Extension podcast brought to you by the eExtension Foundation. eExtension is a membership-based nonprofit designed to be the engine fueling U.S. Cooperative Extension's advancement and making a more visible and measurable impact in support of education outreach from land-grant universities and colleges located in every state and territory. E-Extension is embedded in the U.S. Cooperative Extension System and serves on the Extension Committee on Organization and Policy. It provides an array of opportunities for extension professionals that foster innovation creation, the adoption of innovations at member institutions, and increased impact of extension programs. This work is supported by membership dollars and funding from USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture, grant number 2019 41595 30124. I'm Aaron Wybe, your host for today's podcast. In our fourth episode, we're going to wrap up our discussion on hosting field days virtually due to COVID-19. Just like our previous three episodes, we are chatting with folks around the system that participated in our Connect Extension virtual chat back in June. Today, we are joined by Laura Kenny, equine extension educator with the Penn State University. Welcome, Laura. You mentioned in our virtual chat that you recently held a virtual farm visit webinar. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, absolutely. So it was in the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, season, I guess, when I'm typically doing a lot of farm visits and a lot of pasture consults for the horse uh, industry around me. And so at that time, we just weren't going out at all and doing anything out on farms. So I kind of figured when I go out on pasture visits, I usually hit on a lot of the same points on every single farm. So I was thinking maybe I could hit a lot more farms by just doing this webinar style, you know, virtual consult and just touching on all of the stuff that I normally talk about on a farm visit. So, you know, I can't interact one-on-one and see the individual issues on each farm, but I was hoping that I could at least give people a way to get started, get the ball rolling um, so that maybe they could contact me one-on-one later. So, you know, I talked about soil fertility, pasture evaluation, grazing management, but the part that I thought was really fun was that I went to our Facebook audience um, because we have a very active Facebook page for our, you know, particular Penn State Equine Extension team. And I asked them to send me pictures of their pastures, of any issues they were having in their pastures, and It was fairly successful. I'd say we got probably 10 to 15 photos from that. And, you know, I was just thinking that these pictures could draw people in, you know, knowing that their picture might be featured in this webinar. And um, I used them as illustrations throughout the webinar. And then at the end, I had a little section on, okay, here's some example pastures. Here's what I see going on in them. Here's what I would recommend for this sort of situation. So I was excited about that. I thought it went pretty well. And just for clarification for our listeners, when you say webinar, were you actually using something like a Zoom webinar room or were you using like a regular Zoom meeting room and treating it more like a presentation or or a webinar that way? It was a webinar in Zoom. Yep. So it was actually fairly low interaction because, you know, 
didn't have people's cameras on, we couldn't talk to them. Um, and I had done that um, on purpose because I had participated in a webinar that we did with Extension Horses um, a couple weeks prior where we had like 350 people come on and I made sure that the chat was turned off for that because just the volume of questions and comments that we got was insane. And it would have been really hard to keep up with it if uh, we had both chat and Q&A going. Now, how many people participated in this event? So this one had about 60 people. Now, when you do these in person, are you normally going farm to farm and working with people that way? Or are you hosting a single event and bringing everybody to you? So in the spring, I'm usually doing individual farm visits where someone will call me up and say, hey, I'm having this issue or my fields don't look so great. Can you come out and tell me what's going on? So in the spring, they're usually individual visits. And then in the later summer, I often do sort of a, a pasture walk type workshop where people will all congregate on one farm and then we'll walk the pastures and, and talk. So in this case, you had everybody come to you online and by sending some photos in, you were able to do some troubleshooting or diagnosing with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gave me a lot of different directions to take it and points that I probably normally wouldn't have touched on, but because it was there in the picture and I know that a lot of people struggle with things like, you know, drainage issues and mud, um, I was able to go a little bit more into that. So what were some of the challenges of doing an event like this online? I mean, the biggest challenge was just uh, trying to find a way to make it relevant to people that really wanted me out on their farm, um, make it interactive and make it engaging and just finding ways to keep people's attention and keep from just lecturing for an hour straight, you know? Do you think that you were able to reach any new audiences by doing it virtually? done webinars before specifically on pasture management and you know many other topics but I think it was probably our same audience maybe a couple new people joined in because they saw us reaching out on Facebook and they had sent in a picture. Did you find any other benefits to doing it online? Well it's nice to think I saved some time and money on mileage <laughs> from that you know going around from farm to farm uh, that spring but I think the biggest benefit is just the number of people I can hit at once. It may not be quite as impactful for all of those 60 people without being out there on their farm, seeing their you know, exact situation. But I was hoping that it was applicable enough that you know, they could at least get started. And I think that's certainly a challenge for everybody, myself included, which is in this online delivery format, we can certainly increase the quantity of people that we can reach. Does the quality translate with that? And that's sort of yet to be seen. But I just wanted to see what you thought. Were you able to get to the same outcomes and impacts as if you were doing it in person? It's kind of hard to say. Um, we do have a an evaluation survey that we use at the end of all of our webinars. It's very short. It's like five questions in Qualtrics. And for the 60 people that signed on for this one, only three of them filled out the evaluation this time. So I'd love to know more about the impact that this one had, but people didn't really want to fill out the survey, I guess. So it makes me think that in the future, I ought to 
um, be sending out the surveys via email afterwards, as well as asking during the webinar. I think you bring up a good point there because getting folks to take the evaluation in an online event is, I think, probably a struggle for everybody. That's certainly a struggle for us. And we, we found that if we leave a little time at the end, not right at the end where folks start jumping off the Zoom call or whatever it is, but usually like right before a Q&A session that we'll have at the end, we put a link to the evaluation in the chat. We keep the evaluations really short. I think most of the ones we send are just three questions, like what was your biggest takeaway, what is still unclear, and what would you like to see in the future? Something to that effect. And by doing that, not right at the very end, but maybe 10 minutes out and having an opportunity to talk with folks and ask them to take a moment to fill that out, we've had a lot more luck getting people to participate in that evaluation. I wanted to ask you, was this the first time that you held an event like this online? Um, I would say yes and no, um, because we have done pasture management webinars in the past. Um, so it's, you know, I was familiar with the format, but this one in particular, I tried to model the content more on the steps I would take during a pasture visit so that people could get a feel for what the process is like, what kind of questions I ask, and how I might respond to different answers to those questions. So that, again, even though I wasn't on their farm, they would have some solid actions that they could take. When you were doing the webinar, what kind of supports did you have in place? Did you have another person handling all the tech stuff so you could focus on the presentation and the content? How did that work for, for you? Yeah, we always try to have at least two other people other than the presenter on the webinars with us. So one person can host or moderate and get the ball rolling. And we have at least one other person to deal with questions. So if we use the Q&A box, you know, they can sort of sort them and then read out the most common questions to me because it's just so hard to do that when you're also presenting. Absolutely. And what advice do you have for other extension professionals that are looking to deliver their field days online? Make it as interactive as possible. Um, the more engaging you can be, the better. I used polls um, because I was in a webinar format rather than a meeting format. So, you know, you can ask people questions that give you information about them that let them know about each other. You know, you can say, how many acres do you have or, or what, what are you involved in? Um, and you can use it to sort of check their learning on the stuff that you've been talking about. So, you know, I like to take my most important points and craft a question around them just as sort of a review and, and to drive the point home. Um, and again, you know, if you can interact with them in the chat, if you can have other people on with you to help, uh, I would definitely recommend that. Now, you mentioned before that individuals would send photos of maybe some issues they were having on their farm or pasture. And you would take a look at that and sort of troubleshoot, maybe help diagnose some of those problems. Did you find that that was challenging to do just through photos and in this online format uh, compared to, to doing it in person? Or is that kind of just second nature to you? I mean, a little bit of both. You know, you don't see the whole picture um, when you just have a single photograph. So that's really all you can comment on. 
but you could pull out some larger themes like, hey, this, uh, you know, this has a, a stream running through a dry lot. So this is going to be an environmental issue. And then you can talk about that. So I wasn't necessarily saying, okay, here's a pasture and I would do exactly these things on it to improve it. But I was picking out sort of stuff that I think farm owners sometimes don't think about and being able to touch on those. It sounds like you had a really successful event given the circumstances. Yeah, it was sort of a, you know, an issue of like, well, I can't do any farm visits right now. So would it be better to do nothing or to do this one virtual event, which might not be quite as impactful, but at least it's something. Do you think that you may continue doing it this way in the future, even when we are in a post-COVID-19 world? Yeah, I mean, our, our team in Pennsylvania for the equine adult education team is quite small. There's only two or three of us to serve the whole state. So we actually do a lot of online um, education already. So we are really using this opportunity to dive into exploring ways to make more engaging online workshops in addition to just a straight webinar and you know doing a lot of research into how to make a good online program. Let me just expand on that a little bit. What other ways are you exploring aside from webinars for delivering things like this online? We are trying to look into the the additional features that are available if you do it in a meeting format on Zoom. So having things like breakout rooms so that your attendees can still feel like they're sitting at a table with six other people, um, like they would be in an in-person workshop. So maybe some small group um, activities that they can talk to each other about so that it's not just, you know, you sit here for an hour or two hours and get talked at and fall asleep and get up and go get a snack, you know? And I certainly think that's a challenge that everybody is facing right now. How do we keep people engaged? What are some tactics and different approaches we can take to better engage with those participants at our online events? I want to take a second to say thank you to Laura. We really appreciate you joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for also joining us. And before we go today, sort of on the topic of different ways of engaging with people for e-extension, our audience is cooperative extension professionals and helping extension make a more visible, measurable local impact. One of the reasons we had launched Connect Extension was partly due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and we really pulled it together in short order to try to make those connections across the system and allow folks a really easy tool to collaborate with. But there is something in Connect Extension called subgroups that I want you to take a look at if you get a chance. And there are different subgroups available for a variety of topic areas, and these are led by folks across extension across the country and for example we have a new subgroup called health and well-being and that's led by Roger Rennekamp and he is the national extension health director with ECOP and that's something that's available to you if you have an idea or interest to create a subgroup which would be a focused multi-institutional collaboration on a specific project or program that helps you and other extension professionals make a 
local impact in your communities, please reach out to us and we will help you get that set up and advise you on how to get that going. And that's a great way to build your network across extension in a specific topic area and work across state lines to collaborate. So feel free to reach out to us and we will be more than happy to help you get that set up. And again, Connect Extension is available to all cooperative extension professionals, regardless of your membership in the eExtension Foundation. So thank you for joining us today. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and we will see you on the next episode.